Now, tonight, I, I'm going to look at probably something that few of us really like looking at, and that's genealogy. Oh. And the, and the crowd went, oh. The air went out. But when you begin to see what, what the Lord wants us to see in this, I don't like genealogy, but I like the message that I find in this genealogy of Jesus. And the reason being... The hope that it gives to so many sinners like me and you. Was there anybody in here that got saved because you deserved to be saved? Because you were perfect? Because God, you know, just thought, hey, look here, come on, I want to add you to my... No, He saved us because we all needed to be saved. Not deserved to be saved, but needed to be saved by the grace of God. Now, I preached out of this passage, I preached on the women that we're going to look at in part, but I got to, I, I, I was going back to my desk this afternoon late, and uh, I was just going to, you know, freshen up for, for the study tonight. I'd already looked and already pretty much knew. I was, going to pre, I was going to teach on promise made, promise kept. Now, we wouldn't be giving anything new in that. We'd be looking at Genesis 3.15 and Matthew 1.21, Matthew 1.31, Luke 131, Luke 211, you know, where Mary laid her baby in a, in a manger that was wrapped in swaddling clothes, the Savior of the world. Nothing new, nothing new. But I'll tell you what, I sat down and got to looking at this. The Lord began to stir my heart toward it. I thought, well, this, I even got here, brought Mother Outline. I, I even asked Debbie, I said, what, what do you like? She said, I sort of like that promise made, promise kept. But uh, I want to obey the Lord, and I know you want me to do that. So I want to read the first 10 verses out of the book of Matthew chapter 1. I will also go over and get verse 16. And forgive me with so many mispronunciations of these names, but you won't be able to do them any better than I do. So if I don't get them right, you'll not know either. He's, that was supposed to be funny, by the way. Y'all are glad you're here, right? The book of the generation, singular, by the way, that, that's such an important phrase in itself right there, of Jesus Christ. He was starting something brand new, and friend, he'll not start it over again. Amen. Uh, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat Judah and his brethren. And Judas begat Phares and Zerah of Thamar, or Tamar. Phares begat Esram, and Esram begat Aram. Aram begat Amenadad, and Amenadad begat, begat Nason, and Nason begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David, the king, and king and David the king begat Solomon, of her that had been the wife of Urias. And Solomon begat Rehoboam, and Rehoboam begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Asa. And Asa begat Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat begat Joram, and Joram begat Ozias. Ozias begat Jotham, and Jotham begat Achaz. And Achaz begat Ezekias, and Ezekias begat Manassas, and Manassas begat Ammon, and Ammon begat Josias. 
Isn't that about as dull and dry as anything you ever heard? Until we unpack that a little bit. Look at verse 16. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, and there's a change right here, of whom was born Jesus, which is called Christ. Now in that, look, there, there is more in this to unpack than what I have the ability to do and what we even have, have time to look in. But I, as I was thinking about this, and I heard a preacher preach, and he reminded me, told Todd, I said, he said, what, what, are you, what are you studying tonight? And I said, well, I'm looking right now at the genealogy of Jesus. He said, well, you remember when you did a series over in Boone County, five-minute radio program, on, on these women out of the book of Matthew. And I said, I do. I remember when God, there are five women mentioned in this passage. And, hey, listen, they're all a little questionable. Is, is that good enough? And you know what? You know what? There's a message of grace in this. The number five is the number of grace. Listen, that's what I say. If we just look at the begats, we'll want to be gone. Let's go home. If y'all, I, I mean, I mean, y'all don't pay me enough not to laugh at my jokes. You hear? Me? But, but, but anyway, I mean, but if we begin to look and see now, now, mine and Doug's dad loved our genealogy, loved digging our family's genealogy. And I remember asking him one time. I said, Pop, what got you interested? What got you started wanting in, to dig into our family genealogy? And he said, Well, he said I heard one of our ancestors got hung for. Uh, stealing a horse down in Tennessee. And I looked at him and said, Pop. I said, if that's the worst our ancestors has done, I said, I'd forget about it. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'd forget about that. But it sparked his interest and, and it got him up and running. I want to lift up, if we have time, and we may run out of time way before I think that we will. And I hope you think this is beneficial. I just want us to see and and. And, and I believe this will be a good message for anybody lost and undone. I don't know who's listening in. I don't know who's looking in, and maybe somebody is. But can I tell you what? I'm, I don't know about you. I'm glad that there is hope for all of us. We live in a very broken society. We, 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 I, I hear uh, from Tyke sometimes and from Judy and maybe even Sharon and Steve. These are the people that drop these kids off from Good News Club. And they take them to these homes. And I was just told, what was it, Tuesday in a conversation. I dropped a little fellow off and his dad came out and totally stoned. Totally stoned. I remember when the bus ministry was up and running, from week to week we had new addresses, did we not? And there are people that, that have been told worth anything. There, there, there are people that have been, the, the parents have told their children, you're trash. You'll never amount to anything. Hey, if you're not feeling that I am, because of this man, Jesus, friend, he came to seek and to save that which is lost, and you can't go lower than the grace of God can dig you out and pick you up and make you a new creature in Christ. Now, Jesus wasn't ashamed for anybody in his genealogy. Not a soul. He didn't have to write this like he did. He didn't have to give us, he didn't have to tell us about Rahab the heart. How many of you all, if you could know your genealogy, would brag and say, hey, I had a great, 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 great grandmother was a harlot down in, down in Jericho. 
You might have said, I had an uncle that had 15 wedges of gold and 33 garments that one of them, uh, who was that guy, Achan, stole one off of him. I mean, you might say that. But I find this, actually, the message in, in the genealogy fascinating. It, to me, it generates hope. To me, it generates the idea that, listen, sir, ma'am, I don't care how bad you are, the grace of God is available for you, and it's greater than our sins and our situation. Now, a lot of bad situations. And I'm having the hardest time not wanting to say something about that $1.7 trillion ominous bill. Y'all know that within it, there's a $10 million part of it that goes to the LBGTQ community, don't you? Y'all do know that? We ought to call our representatives and say, don't vote for that. They don't have to do that before the new Congress comes in. I'll leave that alone. I'll move on. But let's look at how it starts. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Now, in Matthew, we have, of course, as you know, the genealogy of Joseph. Both Mary and Joseph were of of the, of the tribe of Judah. They were related to David. They were descendants of David. Now, if you want to get in a real good study, if you like the begats and genealogy, see why, see what God did when Solomon fell and Solomon disobeyed God and, and, and God chose... Does anybody know Solomon's, Solomon's brother's name? Anybody? It starts with an N. His name starts with an N. Nathan. Do you all know that that's how God kept the uh, promise that he made to David going? Through not Solomon, but through David and Bathsheba. God's got a great sense of humor. God's got enough grace for us all that, that through their second son, Nathan, he's going to keep his promise that he made to David that David would never lack a man to sit upon the throne of, of, of Jerusalem. Now, if that doesn't excite you, I don't have anything for you this evening. God knows what he's doing. The devil's tried to change it and wipe it out. But the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, he goes backward. He goes backward in his genealogy there. And one of the reasons I believe is, and you've heard me say this time and again, Matthew introduces the New Testament to the king and the kingdom. So it's, it's, an, it's an obvious uh, rationale for God to inspire Matthew to say, look, here's how you start. You don't start with Abraham and move forward. You start with David. Let them know that this son of mine is connected to the royal family of the nation of Israel and that he's going to be king. He is the greater son of David. Only God can do things like that. Do you know that? Only God. Now, what do we know about David? What, when we talk about David and his sin, what is the sins that come to your mind most of all? What, what, what comes to your mind? Adultery. With whom? Now, she's mentioned in here without name, but she's here. What else? What else goes along with that story? Murder, right? Murder. Man, I'm telling you what, David got in a bad shape. His heart, you know what, you know what Jeremiah says in 17 and 9? He said, the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Verse 10 continues, said, I, the Lord, I try the reins. 
Look, now, everybody in here is saved, say amen. You got, listen, you got a heart that's dangerous too. If you don't believe me, I'll turn to the book of Mark chapter 7 and read to you what comes out of our heart. And don't sit there and get too, too holy because uh, we're tempted by our own desires. Everybody good still yet? But, but this is remarkable. Now, when, when we read through the book of First and Second Samuel, which is a record, historic record about the kings of Israel, we read the story of the kings from man's perspective and point of view. In Second Samuel chapter 11, David got in trouble because he was at the wrong place, not doing the thing that he ought to be. And he tarried still in Jerusalem. Verse 1 says, y'all know the rest of the story. I feel sorry for Bathsheba and David. That story has been told time and time ad nauseum. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean just, at, you know, David, that's the first thing that goes to your mind after you go to the Valley of Elah and him slaying um, Goliath, right? Those are the two big events in David's life that most everybody knows. But can I ask you, can I ask you, have you ever thought about what God thought about David, what God's point of view is of David? He's a what? He's a man after God's own heart, that's right. So in the book of the Chronicles, which is the book of First and Second King, First and Second Samuel, repeated in many ways, with one great exception. Now, if you don't get anything else from your pastor in this study tonight, this will be worth your time getting ready, fixing your hair, and brushing your teeth. Chronicles written from the view of God. First and second Kings from man's point of view. First and second Chronicles from God's point of view. If everybody heard me say that, say amen. I want us to go to, uh, Lord, if I can find it really quick, 1 Chronicles 21, I think I jotted it down there. You ought to see these notes. They are a mess, but I can read them. 1 Chronicles 21, I believe, I hope that's it. No, that is not it. Well, it would be if I get in 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles 21. That is it. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, Without faith... It is impossible to please God, for they that come unto him must believe that he is, that he is God, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You can read through the whole account of David that is given to us in the book of Chronicles, and guess what story you will not find? Bathsheba. Now, does anybody find that intriguing? I do. Can I tell you, listen, what's in the Word of God is important. If you agree with that, to say amen. But let's remember what's not in God's Word is important too. Now, God hadn't forgot about David and Bathsheba. God brought a judgment upon him. He could have took his life. You remember Nathan in 2 Samuel chapter 12, the message that he gave him. And God said, David, look, you're not going to die, but the sword will never depart from your house. Might have been easier for David to have died, to be honest. But he had to live with that the rest of his life. And now generation after generation, his sin is repeated. How many of y'all would like to have that happen to my or your sin? I wouldn't. I'll just be honest with you. But in chapter 21 of the book of First Chronicles, now, 
I don't understand what's going on here in this passage, but I know God was judging Israel, and He'll use different people to get His will done. He'll use His own people as well as people like the Chaldeans. He'll, he'll make sure that His will gets done. But you know what God, you know what, you know, you know what God moved David to do? David numbered. He said, Hey Joab. Now let me tell y'all how bad this is. When, God, when, when David said Joab, who was his, he, he was his number one guy, the, the, the big general over all the generals. I mean, he was his confidant. I mean, and David was afraid of him to a degree, without a doubt. He had reason to be. But, but when David said, Joab, I want you to number Israel. You know what Joab did? David, he said, I don't think that's a good idea, David. Now listen. When Joab realizes that the king is going to do something that may not be the smartest thing or the most healthy thing for him spiritually, there's a problem. Now look at how God looks at this. Now I'm not trying to minimize sin. Everybody heard me say that, say amen. And I'm not saying God minimizes sin. God doesn't look over sin. God sees it all, friend. And listen, every man, woman, boy or girl will give an account of their life before God in judgment. Our sins will be, as Christians, taken care of by the blood, or we'll give an account of them in judgment one day. You, you know what? Jesus, God looked at David's lack of faith in deciding to number Israel as a greater sin than his sin with Bathsheba. Isn't that amazing? Now, you say, preacher, that's a stretch. I think that it is. I've studied this out. I'm real confident in what I'm saying. Of course, you can look at it. You can think about it. I could be wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. And you know what? Don't you, don't you like it when you get over in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 and begin to read about these great heroes of faith, these lumps of clay that, that had been redeemed? You, you know what? You, we never hear anything about the negative side of them, do we not? Do you know why? The cross stands between the Old Testament and the book of Hebrews. And that's gone. Well, I tell you, I don't know. So anyway, that gives me hope. That gives me hope, friend. If he's somebody like David, God can take care of his sin, put him in his family, even lay claim to him. It gives me hope. What about Abraham? What do you all remember about Abraham? What kind of family did Abraham come out of? What? Idolater, he did. Let's go to the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Where did, where did Abram, Abram live before he became Abraham? Before God called him, where did he live? Ur of the Chaldees. Ur of the Chaldees. Now Abraham, he wasn't a young chicken when, when God called him, but he called him, he said, look, I'm going to give you my word. And if you will just... Believe me, Joshua chapter 24, if you'll just believe me, he said, look, I'll make a covenant with you. I'll make your name great. Through you shall all the nations of the world be blessed. And I'll give you a land. The land where, where you're getting ready to go into every place where the sole of your feet touches the ground. It'll be yours and, and your uh, children's and their children's children. I'll give it to you. It's, it's a land grant. I preached a message one time at Casey on, on the grant, the grantor, and the grantee. <laughs> Never will forget that. I haven't been able to preach it but one time. But 
I sure liked it. And there's a lot of people that call uh, Israel in the territory that they're in now, they call it the occupied territory. Hey, let me tell you all something. It's not occupied. It's theirs. Do you hear me? It belongs to them. It belongs to them. Joshua chapter 24. Now, if we had time, and, and uh, we, we're, we're not going to take time, we can turn back to Genesis chapter 11 and see where we're introduced to uh, Abram's father, Terah. In chapter 12, we get, uh, we get the introduction of God, Abraham's call by God and his introduction to the covenant that he made with Abram. But I just find this fascinating. Let me ask y'all my, one of my favorite trick questions. Was Abram a Jew? What was he? He was a Gentile. But who was he the father of? The Hebrews, i.e. the Jews. Isn't that amazing? What does the word Hebrew mean? He that crossed over. That's exactly it. He that crossed over the Euphrates, really, when you get down to it. Look at what he says here in the book of Joshua, chapter 24, beginning of verse 1. Now, Joshua was getting ready to go off the stage of action. He was given a charge to, to Israel. And he said, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nacor, and watch this, they served other gods. I have read and studied that Abram, was the next in line to be the priest after his daddy died in Ur of the Chaldees. Now, I find that remarkable. And God spoke to him. And some way or another, when Abram heard the voice of God, it was different than any other God he had stood before or bowed before or sacrificed to. Somebody said, how will you know God? Listen, when, when he manifests himself to you, you'll know it. I mean, I've not had much trouble figuring it out. And he said, And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his seed, and gave him Isaac. Let's look over verse 13 and 14 quickly. He said, And I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you built not, and you dwell in them for the vineyards and olives, uh, yards which you planted not. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Isn't that amazing? There's hope, friend, for the worst of us, the most destitute of us. Let's go back to chapter 1. Or you can stay in the Old Testament. We're coming right back there. Yes. First what? Uh, he, he may have been, Sally. I'd have to look at it. Yeah, very probable, very possible. Paid tithes to Melchizedek. Yeah. Maybe, and, and even Isaac and Jacob, because he, they were in his loins, is accounted for paying tithes too. What about Isaac and, and Jacob? What, uh, what do we learn about them? Now, look, this goes back to Abraham. Abraham was not only an idolater, but he was also a liar. 
He lied about Sarah. Lied about Sarah. Steve, it's getting real hot up here now. (laughs) He lied about Sarah. Now, Debbie's got a philosophy. Uh, She says, and this is true, it's, it's a good philosophy. We do what we've seen done. What do you all think maybe the sin of Isaac and Jacob was? They lied. Now, there are probably others. When you begin to look at poor old Jacob, Lord, have mercy. It's a thousand wonders like me. He's even in the family of God. He was one of the biggest connivers. That, that there, uh, but he ran into a conniver bigger than him, and it was Uncle Laban. But do you remember what he did? Where's it at? Genesis 27. You remember what his mother did? Talked him into deceiving, uh, deceiving his dad. You know, she made dinner for him, and he put on those coats of skin and went, went in before Isaac, and Isaac couldn't see real good. He said, he said your voice is the voice of, of, of Jacob, but, but you feel like your brother Esau. I mean, even in the womb. Y'all, y'all do remember, I think this is wonderful. This is such a beautiful picture of, of how inside us there are two natures as believers Y'all remember that, that uh, was it Rebecca? She was, she was bare. Is it Rebecca? I get whoever's married to whom sometimes mixed up. And uh, she wanted to, to, to become pregnant. It was a big deal for, for Jewish women to be childless, not be able to bear children. And when she got pregnant, she was pregnant with twins, Esau and Jacob, and fought within. They, I mean, Jacob, even when Esau was being born, he had him by the heel. Do y'all remember that? I'm telling you what's the truth. What a, I don't know what a, what a fella. But isn't it good that the grace of God, listen, takes care of our sins? I don't care whether it's unbelief. I don't care whether it, it's adultery, whether it's murder. I don't care whether it, it is lying. That will become generational. And y'all know what we do gener, generationally affects our family? I mean, I mean, it's amazing. Even things that we don't maybe intend for it to happen. Let's look at a, let's look at a, let's look at a man by the name of Judas. Y'all remember him? Look in, uh, in chapter, is it 27, Genesis? What, uh, whose son was Judas while we're turning, while I'm looking? Does anybody remember? He was the son of Jacob, wasn't he? He was the son of Jacob. Does anybody remember what number he came in as far as birth order? He was the fourth. He absolutely was. Can anybody, and it's in Genesis 38, can anybody remember why God passed up Reuben, Simeon, and Levi to get to Judah to bless him and to bring a a, a blessing and to promise that out of his tribe, out of his seed, that the deliverer would come? Does anybody remember? Reuben committed incest or adultery with his dad, one of his dad's wives. Now, Simeon and Levi did kill that whole town because of um, Shechem's, you know, yeah, but he wanted to marry Diana. But, and Judah wasn't the best of thing when it started out, but after all this began to progress, after Joseph was sold into Egypt, when the second time they went back and 
And Jacob, or Joseph, had kept one of his brothers. Judah went back and said, look, Dad. He said, he said we got to go back. And he said, he said, if something happens to your son, you take my sons. He really stepped it up. I mean, there had been an obvious change in his heart and in his life. And if you want to read a great um, genealogy of the 12 tribes of Israel, go to the book of uh, Genesis chapter 49 and pay close attention, especially in chapter 49 verses 10 and following the blessing that God gave uh, to Judah, Jacob uh, uh, to, to Judah, his, his fourth son, out of which came the kings, out of which came David, out of which came David's greater son, Jesus. See, genealogy isn't all that dry at all now, is it? I mean, the message of it isn't. When we read it, the bagats get old. I never forget the first time I tried to read the bagats. I thought, what in the world is a bagat? This man. But I'm not going to read this 38th chapter of the book of Genesis but it's one of the sordid chapters. It's a parenthetical chapter. It's inserted in there. It's kind of like it interrupts the story of, of Joseph. Why did God put that in there? Do y'all remember, remember that Tamar was married to uh, one of his sons? And God had a, God had a rule that, that if, a woman, if a man took a bride and before they had children he was to die, the son, the, the brother to that uh, man was to take her and produce children in her name. Do y'all remember that? Well, he had a couple of sons and, and uh, Judah sort of promised them to uh, Tamar. And, and now look, she did a dastardly deed, but I believe she did it for the right reason. Can that be true? I mean, she wanted a son. She wanted that promise. There was, there was something in there. Well, anyway, long story short, I'll, I'll, I'll just give you the, the facts about this. It came time when they were, I don't know, she had heard that Judah was going to come to the town where she was at. She put on the robe or the apparel of a harlot. And she had planned this. She, she thought this out. And this, this is pretty big. I mean, we're talking about incest. Now, let me say something that may sound strange. Being able to marry family members in those days is a lot different than what it was in, is in our day. For a lot of reasons, I don't have time to go in that. But this isn't good, what happened. Now, this isn't good at all. Anyway, she deceived her father-in-law, Judah. And she listen, she was intelligent, man. She was smart. Now, Judah didn't have any money with him to pay her. She said, well, said, I tell you what said, you need to give me something as, a, as a, an earnest. She said, what do you want? said, well, said, I want your bracelet and I want your staff, if I remember correctly. Well, when, uh, when she gave, he gave her that, she left. She took off her, off her garments and left, and, and he sent his servants back to the, the flock to get a kid to bring her, and when he got back, couldn't find her. Well, a few days later, she showed up pregnant. And they drug her in before Judah. And that was a big deal back then. Pregnant out of wedlock back then was a big deal. And uh, they were going to take her life. And you know what she did? She said, listen, I'm pregnant. But let me tell you who I'm pregnant by, big boy. I'm pregnant by the man who's, 
whose bracelet this is and whose staff this is. Read the story. There's some remarkable stuff in it. But who would like to have that woman in your genealogy? Jesus was okay. Look, do you see the message I'm trying to communicate? There's no sin that sinners can commit that if they repent and by faith trust Christ, that He won't forgive them. Make them a part of the family. To me, this is filled with so much hope that it's just, it's just amazing. That it is amazing. Oh, let me give you a couple more. One more. I'm going to skip over Rahab the harlot because of time. You can read about her in Joshua chapter 1 and chapter 6. And the moniker of Rahab the harlot, I think, followed her into the New Testament. Am I remembering correctly in the book of Hebrews? Somebody look that up and see if it wasn't Rahab the harlot there also. I think that that is remarkable. But I want to get one more by the name of Ruth. What do you know about Ruth? Turn to Ruth chapter 1. She what? She loved her mother-in-law. What else about her? She was from Moab. Who were the Moabites? Bad people. A little bit more. Who were the Moabites? Who was their father? Lot. Ruth was Moab's daughter, Her father was Moab, who was the son of Lot by Lot's daughter. Chapter 19 of the book of Genesis is not a real sweet chapter either, by the way. Pretty amazing. And look what happened to Lot with his daughters. It was because he went and pitched his tent towards Sodom. I don't believe he understood what was going on down there. I don't believe Sodom drew him. I believe he saw the, 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 the grass and the, and the plains for his cattle. I believe, but you know what? When you turn away from walking by faith and start walking by sight, I don't care who we are, Lot or Abraham, David, me or you, you'll get, we'll get in trouble, okay? So you all know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what happened. You know that the angels came and delivered Lot and his two daughters out. And while they were in a, in a cave, he got, they, the, the daughters got him They lay with him and he produced via his daughters incestuous relationship, Moab and what was the other one? Thank you. Ammonites. Moab and Ammon. Now, here's where I want us to go really quick, and we've got to quit, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23. Now, you'll have to admit, if nothing else, these aren't normal scriptures or passages or thoughts that we'd get into in Bible study, but boy, they're so amazing. In chapter 23, we, uh, we find some laws being given, divine regulations, I suppose we could call them, that God set forth for His children. Now remember, who was the grandson of Ruth? Who? Well, he was, Obed was his son, I think. Jesse and then David, right? So it's, it's pretty amazing when we think of that when we look at this verse of Scripture. Now, 
Moabites weren't good people. They were, they were continual enemies of the nation of Israel. Listen to what he said in Deuteronomy 23 and following. He that is wounded in the stones or hath his privy member cut off shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Aren't you glad you're not under the law, brothers? Let's be, fa- let's be honest. He said, a bastard shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Can I just say this about that? Sin has consequences. Sin has long-term consequences. And he said, an Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. And he uses a word here, even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. But who was Ruth? She was a Moabitess. Now I'm going to tell you, I don't have Ruth nailed down as far as how many generations she was out from this. I don't want to tell you what I know about Ruth. She found grace in the eyes of Boaz. She shouldn't have been where she was. She shouldn't have been blessed like she was blessed. But you know what? She had a heart for the things of God. And I'm going to repeat what Adrian Rogers said one time in a message I heard that great man of God say. He said, I believe with all of my heart, if there is some native in the deepest, darkest part of Africa that wants in his heart to know God, he said, I believe God would let a plane crash over that area where a missionary could parachute out right into that man's village. Now, whether that's true like that, I just liked his idea about the thing. Hey, I'm thankful for God's grace. Grace in his genealogy. That's what I want to title this. There's room at the cross for me and you and for everybody. And isn't that a mess? I don't know of any other, any other religion that gives that kind of hope. I'm glad for it. Well, I hope something said it was a blessing to you. Brother Jerry, come get us a verse of song. If you need to pray, want to pray, the altar is open for that.